Welcome to the Light of God's Word broadcast, a broadcast that shines the light of God's Word through expositional teaching of the Word of God. This broadcast is a ministry of Lighthouse Independent Baptist Church in Lewisburg, Tennessee. You can find out more information about our church at www.lewisburglighthouse.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 as we continue our uh, passage-by-passage, verse-by-verse study of the book of 1 Corinthians, and I pray that you have been blessed through this series, or maybe this is your first time uh, listening. I pray that you'll be blessed today by the teaching of God's Word, and that's our goal, is to go to the Word of God and to learn what's in it. What does it mean and why do we need to know it? And that's our study, and we began last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and so let's go ahead and begin reading in verse 1, and we'll read down through verse number 5. The Bible says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, Paul is writing here to the church of Corinth, and he's beginning to write to them about some challenges that they're facing, some difficulties that they're facing, and some false beliefs that have begun to creep into the church. Paul had established this church on one of his early missionary journeys, and now he is writing to them about some concerns that he's heard about, and we'll talk about later how uh, he evidently received a letter uh, or word from someone knowing the church, knowing what's going on in the church, and he was concerned about some issues that had arisen in the church. And one of the issues that had risen is the uh, conflict between human wisdom and God's Word and God's way. And so he began to write to them concerning the wisdom of the gospel and how the wisdom of the gospel is greater than even the wisdom of man. And so he began to talk to them about his manner of preaching. And his manner of preaching or or teaching them or uh, exposing them to what God says is through declarative preaching. Now, he didn't come to them with the words of wisdom of men. He did not come to them with excellency of speech. He wasn't there to impress them. He was there to teach them. And he was teaching them the truth, and the truth can be declared. Much more than that, the truth should be declared. According to men's wisdom, this was foolishness. According to the Gentiles, they considered this foolishness. According to the Jews, they considered it a stumbling block. But of course, to those of us who are saved, it is the power of the gospel. And the gospel is a very powerful thing. You know what it does? It changes lives. It not only changes destinations, but it changes our journey uh, in the destination. He changes us. He changes us positionally uh, in in the eyes of God, but he also changes us practically in the way in which we live. Now, Paul had a motive. As we looked last week in verse number two, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that term save there means accept. And he says, listen, I, I don't have to know everything about you. I need to teach you about Jesus. Can I tell you this? It's much more important that people know everything that they can know about Jesus than there is us to know everything about them. And so he he defines his reason here. His reason is Jesus is of utmost importance. And our preaching must be 
as we said last time, about the work of Jesus Christ and about the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, True preaching always relates to Jesus Christ. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, perhaps one of the greatest preachers of the 19th century, used to say something like this. He said, point me at any text in the Bible, and I'll be the straight path to the cross of Christ. His point simply is that every text in the Bible has something to do with the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that's always easy to do. For instance, some of the Old Testament texts, such as uh, genealogies, maybe inventories, they're difficult to understand in light of the person and the work of Christ, but the truth is it can be done, and it must be done. If our preaching is to be a faithful proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the testimony of God. And now today I want to talk about the might in preaching. Look at verse number three. Paul comes to them and says, listen, I come to you in weakness. He says this, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, I'll be honest with you, to agree, it is a little bit difficult for me to imagine Paul in weakness to imagine Paul in fear. And the reason for that, if you study the ministry of Paul, you know that Paul must have been uh, a tough man. And I say a tough man, I know a lot of this was what God had enabled him to do, and God's grace was sufficient for Paul, but Paul went through much. And we find here in his preaching, he says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Well, then what made his preaching so effective? Here's what made his preaching so effective. Verse number four, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Notice this, but in demonstration of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's referring to, and of power. What made his preaching so effective was the power behind Paul's preaching. The performance wasn't something that was mighty in his own. Uh, He says, I was weak. Some commentators say that Paul was physically weak when he came to Corinth, and that, that could very well be so. The point is this. He made to the Corinthians, I didn't come to you like all the traveling orators who exude strength and confidence. He says, I came in weakness and in fear. In fact, trembling. You know, oftentimes you'll see people who are great speech givers, and and they, if you will, thrive in front of the audience, and they get up, and it seems that they are their best in front of a crowd, but oftentimes you'll find that maybe a young person or or sincere soul that gets up, and they are nervous as can be. Their, their hands are trembling. Maybe their knees are trembling, and if you've ever been in front of a, a crowd, uh, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, and they are exactly the opposite of those who stand up there in strength and confidence. And you need to understand this. This is Paul, the greatest missionary, in my opinion, to ever walk the face of the earth. I believe Jesus Christ, of course, if you want to classify him as a missionary, of course, is greater. But but Paul was a wonderful and excellent man of God that God used to do some mighty works. But he says, listen, when I was with you, it was in weakness, it was in fear and in much trembling. But then he says this, even my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. He said, listen, I didn't stand before you with my logic. I didn't stand before you with something that I learned in order to sway people with my words. And there's nothing wrong with good speech. 
in presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, but God does not bless the preacher who trusts his his orating skills to get people to change. It's not about how skillful you are or the excellency of speech, but rather God blesses the preacher who recognizes that only God can bring about change in the person's life. Lasting change. Oftentimes we can convince somebody to do something for a moment, but God has the ability to change a life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as Paul comes to them, he says, listen, I didn't come to you in strength and confidence. I didn't come to you in power. I didn't come to you with enticing words. I didn't take a manipulation program to learn how to to sway you to do whatever it is that I desire for you to do. He says, listen, that's not my purpose. That's not my style. I didn't come. I came in demonstration of the Spirit of God and of power. Power. But here's the question, why did he do this? Look at verse 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul understood that true change is the result of the work of God. He would not use these popular skills to get people to agree with him. He proclaimed very simply and clearly the person and the work of Jesus Christ, so that the faith of the Corinthians might not rest in their own wisdom. It might not rest in the wisdom of men, but it will rest in the power of God. Can I tell you this? I'm thankful for advice that men may give, but can I tell you this? My life isn't changed by their advice. My life is changed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I, I say to you, as you listen to this today, I, I pray that that I won't ever come to you and present the gospel simply according to the world's wisdom, but instead of relying on my, my own logic, that I may focus on the central message of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. I ask you today to take some inventory. Take some inventory in your life concerning your relationship with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you turned the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ into, if you will, a habit of memorization that that you have, if you will, your ability to simply, if you will, use enticing words of man's wisdom? Maybe you, you have focused so much on how you say it instead of what you proclaim. Then you need a fresh look to realize that the power of the gospel is much greater than your speech skills. And in some cases, people's manipulation skills. You see, Paul said, it's not about me. It's not about how great of a God, how great of a, a job I've done, but rather it's about how great of a God I serve. It's about a wonderful message, a wonderful testimony, a wonderful witness I have of Jesus Christ. He says, I share with you the power of the gospel for a purpose, that your faith doesn't stand in the wisdom of men. I become greatly concerned of people who make much of men, even more so oftentimes than of Jesus Christ. Let me say this. 
There's no greater words you can use. There's no greater message you can share than the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think about sharing the gospel, the full message of the gospel, and how the Bible is is indeed uh, all pointing to Jesus Christ and how important it is that we understand this. You see, this began all the way back in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, where we find a need for salvation, a world that was one once perfect due to man's choices is now a sinful place. Therefore, as by one man's sin, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And death has passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So there was a sin debt that was created. It began in the book of Genesis. For you and I, it began the moment we took our first breath. We began this journey, a journey that had a debt on it, the debt of sin. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ humbled himself, and he became in the form of his creation man, a humble man, a servant, but also a perfect man who is tempted in all points like as we are, but yet without sin. And this perfect God-man, Jesus Christ, went to the cross to pay the debt of my sin, the debt of your sin. The Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The reality is this. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and was buried and resurrected. That's the gospel. And he did so for a purpose, to pay the price for man's sin, that you and I, by grace through faith, can be saved. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. I ask you listening today, has there ever been a time where you put your faith in the finished work, the person Jesus Christ on the cross, through the grave, and through the resurrection for your salvation? Have you ever put your faith and trust in that? If not, I encourage you to do so today and reach out to us and let us know and let us celebrate with you a so great salvation. And if you are saved, can I encourage you to make a great focus on the person and the work of Jesus Christ, much more than your works or my works. His perfect work, purchasing our salvation. Thanks for listening, and remember to be a light to others so that through you they may see the glory of God.